0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Diecast Movie Podcast. I'm Steve, and I'm joined today with Cynthia Pepper, model, actress, writer. A lot of people will know her from Kissing Cousins with Elvis Presley, the TV show Margie, and my three sons. I mean, she's been in a lot of different things that people are fans of 60s television and movies are going to know right off the bat. How are you doing today, Cynthia?
1: I'm doing fine, Steve. Thank you so much.
0: I'm just glad you. I'm glad you're able to take the time to join me today.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you asking. I think we'll have a good time.
0: I think so too. <laughs> and um, just to make sure, we we talk about the book a little bit. You do have a book out called Pigtails, Presley, and Pepper, and we're going to mention it again at the end. That's out there. Okay. So if people want to get more detail, of what this we're going to cover like a small smidgen of what's in the book, I'm sure. But if you want to okay. get more of your. Um, uh, more knowledge of Cynthia Pepper and her life and everything, Pigtails Presley and Pepper.
1: Right. It's on Amazon. You can get it Amazon. Or when well, I do a lot of uh, Elvis festivals and conventions and some nostalgic, and I usually have them with me, at least a few. And uh, I uh, really enjoyed uh, co writing it. It was uh, cathartic, I guess, you could say. I called it the good and the bad, not too ugly. <laughs> <laughs> it's family.
0: So uh, we can talk about it if you want. Or, uh, oh, we will as we, we get to the end. But I, I think okay. what you just summarized there was when my uh, my brothers always say, the good, the bad, and the not too ugly, in that order, because I'm the youngest. So it's I have oh, two oh. older brothers.
1: <laughs> 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 I get it. It's a little harsh to say the good, bad, and the ugly. So I'll just yeah, soften it, right?
0: yeah i like i like yours not too ugly but you know when you have two older brothers that's just the way you know oh my god you're always treated as the runt of the litter even though i'm the tallest you know it's uh, oh yeah
1: yeah, no no you're the baby (laughs) you do what they say i would imagine
0: well i used to i used to now now that we're all adults we pretty much but i will say it is i don't know do you have siblings
1: i had a, a, a sister that's uh who was four and a half years older than me and uh we weren't. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't really that close. But uh, it's in, like I want to say it's in my book. But um, uh, but I have somehow. Uh, I don't want to say substituted, but I have a lot of lady friends uh, and platonic guy friends. But lady friends that have, through the years have been like my sister, like a sister to me, and vice versa. So um, I do miss that. Um, and my mom and and both my parents are gone. And it was strange, Steve, when, when they passed. I was, you know, a real older adult. Um, I felt like an orphan. It was really strange. And I have one son and a very small family. So um, and anyway, I felt like an orphan. And I thought, how could I feel like an orphan? I'm, you know, such and such age at the time. But I, I do wish uh, we had been closer, but it was not to be.
0: Well so. look at this what you have sisters of choice you know and exactly. uh, and a lot of common exactly. things I was going to say when my brothers and I get together my middle brother and I kind of defer to the elder brother a lot of times when it comes to um family decisions so we do in a sense fall back into um lines you know the, the the way it was when we were children when certain family emergencies come up
1: Right he's kind of the alpha maybe he- Yes, in some
0: ways he is. It's In some ways, uh-huh. though, in some ways, um, some ways. he's you know, it, 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 it's one of those things I find it interesting. You know, when you get people you haven't been to you know, when you haven't always been together physically in years, you get together and you kind of fall in line because he lives in um, Arizona now. And, oh, wow. Uh, out in your neck of the woods.
1: Yeah, yeah, where it's hotter than it is here usually. So that's a long way. And I only see my son in, uh about every two or three years. I'm lucky. He lives in Massachusetts and I'm in Vegas and um, he has, uh, has married, married later in life. He had no children or obviously he had no children or wasn't married before. And he married someone with two children who were in their preteens. And I don't want to get into the long story, but the point is that their father passed away. And so my son uh, adopted them legally. So I now have two Grandkids who are in their twenties, graduated from college, that I've only seen about four times. But I am grandma now, and I thought, wow, that's better late than never. And uh, he's very happy back there. And uh, but I do miss him. I miss. I have cousins who live in Chicago and Oklahoma. So, but uh, I always had wished that I had had a larger family, but it wasn't to be. So that is true. I mean, I wish I'd been closer.
0: Speaking of family, your family is has show business roots. You know, your mom and your dad, um, Jack Pepper and um, Dawn Pepper. I mean, the dancing and everything. Your dad dad was an actor. What was what what was it like growing up in that household?
1: Well, uh, that's all I knew was show business. My daddy was in uh, vaudeville. And uh, he actually roomed with Bob Hope at one point, and he was at, actually at, at one point engaged to Ruby Keeler. If you're an old movie buff, you'll know who she is. And, um, and then my mother was a dancer with Ziegfeld and, and, um, and uh, Billy Rose, and she had a roommate, Eleanor Powell, who was a very famous dancer. This was all been told to me and, and uh, many times. And then my so my daddy went into overseas with Bob Hope and entertained the troops and and my mother um, my mother was married first if uh, to Ginger Rogers. and uh, I have a letter written to my aunt in Milwaukee. and it was, I think the it was uh, postmarked nineteen twenty eight twenty nine I have two letters written to my aunts with written from by Ginger saying, we're going, uh, Jack and I are off to Hollywood, and uh, we hope we make it big. He bought me a Roadster and that kind of thing. And then my dad had a radio show at the time in Chicago, and uh, she was a, uh, um, Ginger was a champion Charleston dancer. So he met her when she was very young, about 17 or 18, and he was about three or four years older than her. Anyway, they only married a couple of years, and uh, then he married someone else briefly, and then he married my mother. And I guess she liked dancers because my mother was a beautiful dancer. But I'll just tell you this quick story. I happened to meet Ginger because when I tell people that, I said, it has nothing to do with me that he was married to Ginger Rogers, but I think it's cool. And I met her at 20th Century Fox wardrobe department when I was doing my pilot for Margie, and she was doing a pilot for her show. And um, I said, oh, my goodness, there's Ginger Rogers. I said to myself, there's Ginger Rogers. I must say something. So I went over to her, and I said, "Miss Rogers," and she said, "Yes." And I said, "My name is Cynthia Pepper. I believe you know my father." Well, I thought, "How stupid of a comment!" Because of course she knew my father. She was married to the guy. So, <laughs> so she had it. We had a quick a chuckle, and then uh, she said to me, "Well, how is the dear boy?" And I said, "He's fine." I'll never forget what she said. And uh, from then on, we had lunch in the commissary a couple of times, and. Uh, always thought fondly of her and um, my dad never really spoke ill of her or any of the other ex wives So it's a show business. I knew nothing but show business. So.
0: I was going to say it, it now makes sense with um, your dad having roomed with um, Bob Hope. Cause when I was looking at his, his screen credits, you know, he started in road right, to Singapore right. to five little foys. Right. I mean, so many Bob Hope movies are in there. And I was like, Bob Hope must have liked him. Now, obviously, uh, I was right.
1: <laughs> well, he was right. Well, he, when when Bob Hope had his NBC show in Burbank, and he lived in Toluca Lake, and uh, which is a suburb of Los Angeles near Burbank, anyway, he would uh, have my daddy and another old cronies. I want to say cronies working, you know, in the show in this, you know, specials he had on NBC in the uh, I don't know seventies, sixties, seventies, maybe into the eighties. Anyway, he always had my daddy, you know, in in a scene or something, and because he, he helped him financially with that, because uh, my daddy wasn't really good with money, he he had a let's put it this way, wine, women, and ponies. He liked the ponies, you know, the horse racing. Mm-hmm. So he uh, hung out with uh, those kind of guys. But uh, he was always really good to my dad, and he always um, he had he he and his wife always sent a Christmas card to my parents up until. Uh, she died, the wife, because she was the one that obviously, you know, was the one who put the Christmas cards out. But it always said to Don and Jack from Dolores and Bob, and he and B Crosby too is was a good friend of Daddy's and Jackie Gleason, Milton Burle, um I had met him once or twice, and he was always kind to me because I was his dad, you know, Jack Pepper's daughter. So it was. Um, if you ever see Guys and Dolls, have you seen Guys and Dolls, Steve? Have you ever? Yes. You know, you know nicely, nicely Johnson, the heavy round little guy who sings "Don't Rock the Boat."
0: Yes, yes. It,
1: it, anyway, that my daddy could have done that part. It was it would be perfect for him. My dad sang and uh, and he could have done that part. So that was he was um, there's on the YouTube. There's a you could see my daddy singing. At, I think he was in his early twenties with the ukulele. If you look under Jack Pepper and, and uh, video YouTube, you'll see him singing. And he had a real high tenor voice. And of course, as he got older, it went deeper. And, um, he was a wonderful singer. He sang with Judy Garland on the record and, uh, on the, on Bing Crosby's radio show and different things like that. So needless to say that my mother, I, I say became a civilian. She, she got out of the business when, and raised my sister and I. And, um, and then my dad, you know, traveled a bit and and so forth. So he wasn't always home. And uh, he had some problems. He had some drinking problems. And my mother did two at a time at a certain time. And uh, But anyway, so um, it was a wonderful, interesting life. And it uh, still is. But uh, um, you can, you know, if you read the book, I want to say, read the book. I don't want to keep pushing it, but I am have to say that. You'll find out some of the stories. And uh, we'd have Daddy would we'd have a Thanksgiving dinner, let's say. And Daddy, we they'd invite some friends who had no home, some guys, you know, mm-hmm. uh, did have no place to go. Let's put it that way. And and they'd all be drinking and carrying on. And then uh, I would uh, come into the living room the next morning, and there'd be a couple guys sleeping on the couch because they couldn't have a, you know, they just stayed the whole night. It was a kind of a wild time, but uh, I had never really had a regular job and. Uh, you know, and neither did my daddy. It was always show business. Fortunately, I made my, that's how I made my living, um, in the fifties, sixties, a little bit of the seventies. So, um, I feel very fortunate. I don't have a, I don't have a head for business too much. (laughs) Neither does my, did my daddy.
0: Well, the thing is, is uh, some people have like Bob Hope had a great head for business because he invested in real estate and everything else. And, um, Right. But, but even if you don't have the great head for business, it's just a matter of um, not spending more than you're taking in and sock money away and then you're able to have money down the road. So it's it's
1: well, he didn't. my daddy. He didn't,
0: but he I'm defended. saying you might have.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. Oh exactly. Uh, uh, he, we never owned a house. We always rented apartment, never lived in a house growing up lived in an apartment in hollywood and we, i lived in new york when i was a baby a young young child and i slept in the drawer and uh that's and my sister went to children's professional school and i was actually did broadway debut when i was four with julie harris and uh anyway we, we lived in, in a hotel and then we moved back to la uh hollywood where i was born and uh then I had a regular life, going to school and studying acting and singing and all that. And Daddy would do some shows, you know, some TV shows, some movies. And, uh, and also we went to Dallas, too. We lived in Dallas. Um, Daddy had a nightclub called The Log Cabin. Now, this was before me, and it was in the era of um, uh, Scarface and Al Capone and all those guys. And Daddy would tell me stories that the guy at the mob, I guess, would come into his nightclub and say, Hey Pepper, sing Melancholy Baby. And you'd better well know that my dad would hurry up and sing Melancholy Baby. <laughs> but he was, they kind of had his back, but he didn't hang out with them. But because uh, from what I understand, they loved show business. They loved show people. And, uh, so anytime they were in Dallas and, uh, or any place, you know, Hey Pepper, sing this and that. And he'd sing real fast. And, um, it was just—it it, just—I uh, wouldn't have changed anything really so much. Uh, growing up, it wasn't that—that that, uh, common of a childhood.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things during your childhood that you went to Hollywood High School, right? And you—you—you right. you, you had people either in, in your grade or you know just before you or just after you that ended up becoming people that everybody famous. pretty much knows. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I went to school, I went to junior high with Carol Burnett, but she was, she's, what, five years older than I am, um, and um, I believe, and she she has a one-woman show. She's played here in Vegas, and she has mentioned Las, uh, Le Conte, which is a, ho- a junior high, a middle school, and then she went to Hollywood High. I went to grade school called Vine Street Grammar School, and Marilyn Monroe had gone to Vine Street when she was young. She was an alumni, but Hollywood High was uh, a lot of show people. You know, a lot of parents were in show business then. And uh, now we're talking about. I went to graduate in '58, so we're talking about the '50s, of nifty '50s, I call it. And uh, I went to school with uh, uh, the Nelson brothers. David was my sister's class, and and and, um, uh, Ricky was a year older than me. And we, after school, we'd watch him play. Basketball in the gym, my girlfriends and I would, oh, there's Ricky Nelson. And then went to school with um, a girl, a woman named evie Mimeo and Stephanie Powers. Stephanie Powers, her real name is Taffy Paul. And uh, we used to tease her and call her Taffy Pull. And uh, she became a friend, you know, during that time. And uh, Linda Evans from Dynasty, Linda Evans, mm-hmm. is. Um, her real name is Linda Evanstad and she was real sweet. And Mike Farrell was uh, a year or two older than I was. So, uh, and there's some others after me, John Ritter, but I—he was much younger than I was. So, uh, yeah, we went to that. We all went to school, and it uh, was a regular school, and uh, loved it. Loved it. It's still there, and actually, it's—it's it's a national treasure. You can't—they can't tear it down. It, it has to stay there it's on Highland and Hollywood and Sunset. When and met, Lena Turner
0: went, a lot of people went there. It's just amazing when you think about all the people that went through. And then when, when mm-hmm. and when, and how, I wonder how many of the young people realize it at the time they're going through who else was there, because, you know, some of these names, you know, to them, they'd have to do web searches or that kind of stuff, but it's just, right. you hope they appreciate the history. And when you said Linda Evans, I know you said dynasty, but my first thing is big Valley.
1: I was going to say big Valley too. Yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yes, and uh, uh, Stephanie went to my baby shower, but after that, you know, you go your own way, and she became, you know, heart to heart and uh, movies and different things, and uh, I'd love to see her at some point. Sometimes she goes to a collector's show here in L.A. here. I'm in Vegas, in Los Angeles, and I just keep missing when she's there. I'm not there and vice versa, so I would love to see her. And uh, Linda, I think, lives up north either Oregon or Nevada uh, Nevada. I'm not sure but she doesn't participate in anything like collector shows or anything like that that I know of but I've seen Mike Farrell and um, a couple of times at different reunions and with uh, Shelly Fabre, who he's married to now and uh, it's just it was just a it was a different time you know in the 50s it was a different time you had you know Fonzie types you know the Fonz mm-hmm. and um it's changed so much now, but it's still there. It's still there, and uh, we used to go up to Hollywood Boulevard and go to the malt shop and have a Coca Cola and, and French fries and just the stuff that teenagers did. But it was—it seemed so innocent, you know. Uh, now, uh, than what it is now, so then and it is now. So, um, yeah, it's it's it's, um, it's historic—the the, uh, Hollywood High.
0: That, that's true, and and during that time in the fifties, you were in a couple of movies. You know, well, which which were which I will say to, for people, you know, you were like uh, uncredited or uh, an extra right. in them. Which, but yeah. I know it's like being an extra in a movie. It's still you're in the movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, I yeah I was twelve years old, and and uh, I I got my I have a extra card or something. We needed to be an extra, and I uh, was Warner Brothers, and it was a movie called. Um, Oh my, room for one more.
0: With Cary Grant. With Cary
1: Grant. Yeah. Cary Grant and his then-wife, Betsy Drake. And I've seen it on TCM a couple of times. And it's towards the beginning, but I play with other orphans, these, women, these girls' orphan, and a couple of young boys. And you just see my back. And I, I've tried to say, there I am. I, I mean, it was so fast. And no no dialogue or anything. And I've told this story. I, I was, you know hanging, we're supposed to, it was supposed to be in the winter time we had coats on and they had fake snow around and, and you were sitting around waiting to do the next shot I heard um, um, Cary Grant walk by me and go towards his his was um, his, his, uh, what do you call it, his dressing room mm-hmm. and all I, I heard him swear he said something about what the hell damn it or something like that and ah! Cary Grant swore I was shocked completely shocked <laughs> I mean, it wasn't anything bad. I said, "Kerry ah, Grant swore," and and that was all he did. There wasn't anything bad, but I thought that was for a twelve-year-old. It was I was very impressionable, and I thought, "Wow, that's really strange that he swore." And I did a, in school. I did a, things in school, you know, and outside I studied. But I did do a couple of early TV shows called uh, "Day in Court" and "Divorce Court." Of course, I played a child of a divorce woman, and "Day in Court." I don't even remember what it was about. And that's how I kind of started. My my dad, um, my his agent took me on as an agent. And at that time, he was Mitzi Gaynor's agent. And uh, I don't know if he was Mary Tyler Moore's, but she was starting out also. Used to stand in line at the unemployment line with Mary Tyler Moore. Can you believe that?
0: That's hard Very to believe. Sure. But you were, you were in the same episode of Friller, the fatal impulse of Mary, Mary Tyler Moore. Right,
1: right. Very. I haven't seen it in a long time, but, uh, yeah, she, uh, like I said, she was just kind of starting out, and then she got, I think, Dick Van Dyke show. That was her big, but I, at that time, if you wanted to see actors, movie stars, you'd go to the airport or you'd go to the unemployment office at that time, and you would see a lot of people standing in line. Uh, and uh, I did meet her later in life, you know, as to say hello and that was it, but we didn't, you know, we weren't friends or anything. We didn't know each other. She didn't know me. I certainly knew who she was.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, do, do you have any memories, though, of um, working in some of those early TV? Because, I mean, you were in the, the Many Loves of Dobie Gillis, Bourbon oh, Street yeah. Beat, you know, I mean, it's yeah. 77 um, Sunset Strip. I mean, it's it's amazing, um, some of the things well, you I were got, able to be on.
1: Yeah, that was one of the first things I've, I had done. I couldn't even remember what it, it was about, but I do remember at Warner Brothers, that I, I was at the wardrobe department once again, and I got to wear Natalie Wood's dress that she had worn. I don't know. It was Splendor in the Grass or someplace. No, it was, it was something. Anyway, I wore her dress. They said, do you know whose dress this is? And I went, no, it's N- Natalie Wood. I mean, she had worn it and I got to wear it. And maybe I, you know, I wasn't guest starring at that point, but I had some lines and everything. And, um, Yeah, Dobie Gillis. And this funny thing, when I was doing my show, Margie, we had two. We worked on the 20th Century lot, and we worked at the um, Sunset lot. And the Sunset lot had the house of Margie, just the front Mm -hmm. facade. And next, and who was shooting there also was Dobie Gillis. And uh, I had gone, um, you know, on his set a lot, and he'd come on mine, so to speak, and, you know, talk and everything. It's, it's funny how the circle almost like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. I find that with Elvis because uh, in my book, I, I give uh, um, honor to my parents and my son and my husband and, and Elvis. And, and like I said, it's not an Elvis book, my book, but the, the um, connection is there from the very, almost from the beginning. It's very strange, but yeah. So I started out small like that, of course. And then I was so fortunate to uh, my agent said, get over to uh, Dizzy Lou, which is a part of Paramount. And, uh, and I had just gotten married. Actually, I got married at 19. He was um, in the business, but he was behind the scene. He was like um, assistant director and so forth. Anyway, so um, I was for my three sons. And I I thought, well, I'm going to have to audition and read, and I was scared to death. He said, So I sat in, in the trailer, in the director's trailer, and all we did was talk about my working, you know, being part of the show. And when I, before I left, he says, well, I think we have a family meaning the, the part I played was the daughter of the family next door, who was a love interest of Tim Considine, Mike, the first year. So I was obviously so thrilled. I said, hit the jackpot. And, yeah. Um,
0: Cause you got to work with, you know, Tim Considine, Fred McMurray, William Farley. I mean, Stanley, Livingston. William Farley
1: would a yeah. And, um uh, Damn, yeah, done. what a wonderful guy.
0: What? Yeah, what, yeah I mean, he—he's—I
1: yeah,
0: he, <laughs> I, heard from other people he's a, a character. What you know, like he used to pull pranks and stuff like that. William oh, probably? Yes.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. He drank, <laughs> and he, my daddy. Well, my dad drank, so he knew him, and he said hey, somehow. I said, "You t- when you see uh, Bill or whatever you call him, he said, "You tell him he's got to take good care of you." I'm like, "Yeah, okay, daddy, okay." Uh, we, we used to go around to To lunch, when we break for lunch, and somehow we go across the street or just within the, comp, you know, the Paramount area, and I think it was Lucy... Uh, I think it was uh, Lucy Adobe's. I can't remember the restaurant, but it was... And he would take my arm, and he'd have a few nips, drinks, at the restaurant, and then he'd come back and start shooting. I thought, how can he do that? Well, I don't know. I had a, he had a hollow leg or something, but he would do that, and he was... You could tell he was fine. I mean, you could even tell he had been drinking, and he was a dear, dear man. And I, I really liked him a lot. And uh, I, they were all nice. Tim, Tim was nice. Um, Stan was a nine, ten-year-old, and um, and Don Grady, and Fred Murray was very nice. But he was, you know, he kept to himself. And the thing is, with Mister Murray, he he only worked like one or two days, one a day a week. And he'd film all his his shots in one or two days. So if he's not there, when you, yeah, you're seen close up and you're talking to him, you could be talking to the script girl or a broom. You know, to the the camera would be on you, but you'd be talking to. And Mr. Douglas, you know, da da da, da And he wouldn't even be there, and uh, that's the way he worked. But he took his lunch, and he had a brown paper bag. He'd take his lunch in his... Uh, mobile home you know is, is a dressing room and eat it and kept to himself but he was very polite very nice very nice and uh, I happened to be watching these my three sons on me tv the last months and they showed my episodes and I was shocked because I was night, I was uh, 20 playing high school you know Tim's girlfriend and uh, to see yourself when you're that young it's like oh my god I could do it so much better now <laughs> I had the chance, or to see yourself so young, it's just, it's crazy. And they're still showing it, and I tape it and watch, you know, as they went into color, they went into color, I think they went up to, I don't know what the year was, 72 or something, 1972. But I love that set, was my favorite pretty much. I mean, I'd go visit them even when I wasn't working, and I left to do my show Margie.
0: I was saying, I was say the, the one great thing about My Three Sugs is it holds up but as you said, it's on my TV today. Still, it's it's always running, and I remember seeing it growing up in reruns um, right. and stuff like that. And it was just something you know, like, Dennis the De Menace, and um, all the other great shows back at that time. You could just watch them and enjoy them. Um, you know, Leave It to Beaver, and, and and you just had a fun time. You knew you were going to be in for nice, good entertainment.
1: Exactly, clean. Uh, sometimes with a moral. Um. You know, episode at the end, uh, but it was always. And I hadn't seen the My Three Sons uh, after a certain point because I was working and going on with my life. And I'm think, I'm watching it now. In fact, I tape it and I watch it every other day. It's on um, once a week in the morning. And I'm thinking, wow, I, these are this is a good show. I mean, it was it was wonderful um, to see. And then Stan grew up, and I got to know Stan, and we kind of got real. Uh, we became really good buddies. Uh, we are still now Stanley and, um, and uh, Barry, I know, but not as well as Stanley. Um, but I always came back to that set and just watched because I just loved it there. It was wonderful. And, so they wrote me out saying, because I, was, I got my show Margie, and um, they sent me off to college. So Tim and I parted.
0: Yes, you did. And then, of course, they had you come back uh, a few years later. For um, right. for uh, basically the um, uh, closure episode, I guess you could say for your right. character's art.
1: Yeah, that I was going to come back, maybe pick up where we left off. But by then, he was engaged to in a show to T- Meredith McCray. And how it was, could it they? was Bittersweet.
0: How could they? Pardon? They, how could they? They should they do that to
1: me? <laughs> they should
0: have kept it there for you. Come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, when I was, yeah, right. Uh, well, you know, I le- it's funny because I didn't have to, all I had to do was talk to Peter Tewksbury, the director, to get this. And and but when I did Margie, it took about two months. I had to do a screen test, a number of them. I had to audition so many times. And I I was told by many people they had like 200 people, girls they were considering. And I thought, wow. So, I mean, that was like a struggle. I mean, and when I got it, of course, I had to leave my three sons and I wouldn't change anything. You know, because things happen. I believe in life the way it's supposed to be, and um, so. Uh, but I would probably have, you know, in the show, Mike and I would have gotten married and went off into the sunset. But uh, to watch it now and to see how they they grew, you know, like especially Stan, and then they bring Ernie into it, and uh, it's 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 crazy. Um, but it was it was a wonderful time then, and we're talking about 1960. Um, uh, I could say I was twelve, but that won't work. I was <laughs> well, <you've>, you already <laughs> yeah, said you
0: already said you were married. So I mean, you kind of
1: <laughs> yeah, I was married. Well, I was married at nineteen. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then when I did Margie, I played a sixteen-year-old. um with pigtails, and that's where the pigtails comes from. And also, I wore braids in, as a kid, as a child in real life. But I wore pigtails in Margie. That's what she was. That was her, I guess, trademark. I guess. Yep. So to
0: speak. And for listeners, and never, that I'm for listeners, never seen Margie happy days was, was in the seventies and eighties and it took place in the fifties. Margie came out in the sixties and takes place in the twenties. So it was kind of like this exactly. throwback thing. So you can bring adults in that would be like, Oh yeah. They remember growing up during then. And then you had the hijinks going on to keep every, you know, for the younger people to, re, you know, to get that. Well,
1: yeah, we had, we had, you know, in the old movies, they have a sign that says, "Ladies, take take your hats off." A gentleman, you know, that kind of thing. And the, the producers, Howard uh, Goodman and Larry Klein, uh, had produced a lot of good stuff. I mean, specials on TV and stuff. And uh, I asked him, I said, "Why?" Years later, I said, "Why? How? Why did you pick me?" He said, "Well, they both said, well, you weren't that. You know, you were pretty, but you weren't that pretty." You weren't that attractive. I said, well, thanks loads. And he said, no, no, but you're Margie. The other's lost out. You got, what we're mean is that you were the girl next door. You were, you know, kind of plain. Um, you weren't the glamour puss. And But I love the 20s. The 20s, I've always been fascinated with. In fact, when I graduated from high school, we, we got together and had a, a, a dance. It's 19, this is 1958. And it was all back from the 20s. You know, everything was decorated in the 20s and the music. So I've always had an affinity towards the 20s. So when I got this, I was in, as they say, hog heaven. Yeah, I was, uh, And I got to sing. I made a record and um, with 20th Century Fox Orchestra with Lionel Newman and um, original songs as Margie. You know, with the soft, I have a soft voice. My dad could sing and belt. I can't. But I could carry a tune. And it was with the full orchestra so I got to sing on my show and do American bandstand and do, we did some, um, uh, fairs, you know, during that time. And I was, it, I, I told someone I would have paid to do this, but I didn't want the producers. Know that. <laughs> <laughs> or the director, but we had uh, quite a few directors and, the, and how Goodman and Larry Klein also, uh, when Margie was over, they wrote for the tonight show with Johnny Carson. So they, you know, they've not, they're not here now. Obviously they were older, but, um, That was like a family. It was with Dave Willock and Wesley Tackett. Dave Willock was a partner of Cliff Arquette, who um, was uh, of the Arquette family, but he was the grandfather of Patricia and everyone else, our great-grandfather. Anyway, so, um, and then we had, we're all kind of newcomers on Margie, but they played old music, Mm -hmm. you know, the lappers, and I got to wear that. And the, the TV show was based on a movie called Margie with Gene Crane, and she was always losing her bloomers or falling down, or, you know, so it, she was not sophisticated in the show. So I know that's what they meant when they, you know, said, well, we didn't want to glamor puss, you know, Miss Hollywood. We wanted someone who, you know, more relatable and and down to earth. And I said, well, that's fine, you know. I got the parts, so who cares, right? Right. And I watched. Who cares f- why I was. I was
0: like, and I watched a few <laughs> of the episodes on YouTube. Um- And and there was one of them, like you said, like losing things by the sea, you know, you go out swimming and then you end up in that episode losing your swimsuit because Cornell had to be there.
1: (laughs) It's funny because I was so, and I have this too, I've written about, I was so embarrassed about my body in my whole life. And when I was a kid, uh, um, strange enough, but some of my parents' family would call me Little Miss Plump and all this. I wasn't heavy but I, I was self-conscious so i got over it but point is that when i did margie they said now we're going to do a beach thing i said oh, I can't wear a bathing suit in front of people i and i weighed probably i think i weighed 99 pounds but to me you know i was heavy so i said how can i do that and they said cynthia the bathing suits come below your knee and they you know up above your chest you know throat And i went, oh yeah that's right but it was knitted so it was tight you know so I said, oh, my gosh. So I was so embarrassed going out there. But we we shot that in, the, I think, Paradise Cove near Malibu or Santa Monica. And we we filmed some of it at night. It was mostly day for night. And I remember when I was looking for Cornell as my brother in the show, I actually, I really tripped and hit my foot on a rock. And it made me kind of limp. And I was, like, getting more frustrated. So that was good. It was good for the part because... I was looking for Cornell and getting worried that, you know, he's in the ocean or something, but, um, yeah. And my brother, there were two, two boys. And one was a pilot for the show that to see, you know, pilot, people know, I think know what pilot is. They have one to see if it's going to sell for the network. And, and then I had a different brother for the show. And one of the brothers was Melanie Griffith's half brother. And I'm not sure which one it was, but, uh, she wasn't even born then, I don't think, but uh, anyway, so uh, that that was a good one because I like to, to show a little little drama, you know, but he was always getting in my way as, a, as an older, you know, sister on the show, Margie.
0: Yeah, that was the one where but the I, moral of the story is, is like, oh, you hate, oh, I wish something would happen to you, and of course something does happen yeah. to him in a sense because mom and dad come in unbeknownst to you and take him home from the beach because they wanted to make make sure you had a good time with all your friends and he tries to tell you and you just didn't want to listen to him. And, you know, and then, and then you're spending the rest of the episode looking for him and he comes back and you're like, Oh, and I love it when he shows up and he's talking <laughs> and you think he's coming from the voice from beyond.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, Cause he died or something. Yeah. Oh, Cornell, Cornell. Yeah. I never speak to you again badly, you know, and all that. And then he, then uh, he's there. No, Mar- Margie, I'm here. I, I, uh, I haven't seen that in quite a while. I didn't know it was on YouTube, though. I didn't know that one. They've shown a little bit of uh, with Jimmy Hawkins. Uh, they show a little part of that. It's, I guess you could get anything on YouTube, you know. That's what's crazy.
0: Well, pops, That's I think I think those things they pop up until the um, people get you know realize it's out there and then they um, um, strike it, you know, get it get it removed or whatever. Whoever owns the rights to oh, margin It okay. gets it cleaned up. But yeah. it was. I was, like, doing a search. I'm like, we, how easy is Oh, there's a few episodes right here. And I was like, oh, by the sea. That's the that's the, uh, the first <laughs> one I rewatched. I was, I was like,
1: oh. Yeah. We did 20, I think, 26 or 28. And we were on ABC. It's a funny thing. We were on ABC after My Three Sons and before The Untouchables. Uh, we were on one, one season uh, a different time, one time, and then the next season another time on reruns. So we could say, we, did, but we're not in syndication at all. I'll never be on TV, as far as I know, because you have to do so many
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, episodes to qualify. And um, we still didn't know; we never knew why we were canceled. We were in the top twenty each 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 um, week, but we have Procter and Gamble was our sponsor, and they had Hazel. This is what I was told. They had the show Hazel. They were sponsoring also with uh, I can't think of her name right now, but anyway. So they had like a choice or something. So they had they took Hazel and we were, we came in one time to do the last show and we thought we will be coming back next year and they said sorry this is your last one and it was it was a shock, but it was it was uh, an experience I wouldn't take back for anything and uh, I have I guess most of my uh, Margie, you know, episodes with me, but I haven't seen them in a long time. But that's that's another funny thing to see yourself near that young and I was and then I had my 21st birthday on the set uh Margie and uh, we had a lot of kids we catered to and young girls that was you know we that was our uh, demographic I think oh and it was a nice clean show yeah
0: it was and, and and um it's one of those things listeners like you know go out and watch it, it it's 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 fun it's it's um it's old school inter- fun entertainment and you and you and, and you'll have and you'll, you'll 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 have a smile on your face.
1: Yeah, right. Well, it's not Shakespeare or Tennessee Williams. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be light and it was for the time. You know, it's in the early 60s. It was it was right for the time. And um, anyway, I was just fortunate to, to have to have done that and other things, you know, in my I did a US steel hour that you could see on YouTube, too, with the Tommy Sands and Martin Sheen and George Siegel and and Glinda um, Farrell. That was a, a, a live television play, which is uh, 1963. I'm not, not 63, was it? 62, I think.
0: It was Inner Panic. Um,
1: Inner Panic, yes. Someone told me about that. I thought, well, I'll look it up. And I saw it. I went, oh, my God. I hadn't seen it. I don't think, maybe once, because it's live in those days. You know, when the commercial was on the TV, that's when you ran from the next set to the next, and and Tommy Sands was married to um, Nancy Sinatra at the time, and we rehearsed in New York, <clears throat> excuse me, for about two or three weeks, like a play, and then um, we was, we, they'd pick us up from the hotel, Nancy and I, would sit in the back and talk and, and visit and all that, and there's the Elvis connection too, because she was in the Elvis movie. I'm going to have tons of the connections with Elvis, but we, um, yeah, Tommy stands and, um, George Siegel had a pretty small part. And Martin Sheen had a pretty small part. Glenda Farrell played, um, uh, Tommy's mother. And she was also played Elvis's mother and *Kissing and cousins the movie. I was in, and, uh, we filmed it. And I thought, if I can do this, I mean, we shot it. I said, if I can do this, I could do anything because it's scary. Well, you can't stop film.
0: There's one person that was in there I want to oh. ask you about because he was also yes. in Cult Check the Night Stalker, which is one of my favorite TV shows. Simon Oakland.
1: Oh, I love Simon Oakland.
0: What can you tell? Could, any, any, what was it like That's, working with him? Because I just, I just, I just loved watching him. And I, it's, oh. I think, I don't think you're asked about him that often.
1: No, but he's, I told, I talked about him too, also. But Simon Oakland, we had some downtime. You know, we, we uh, once we rehearsed we had some downtime. And we, with Simon, and Simon Oakland and, and George Siegel, it was before George Siegel was a big movie star. We all decided to go to the movies. So we saw Sabrina with, you know, Audrey Hepburn and William Owens. And I hung out with Simon Oakland. He was the sweetest, the dearest. And I also kept in touch after, you know, by mm-hmm. phone, maybe a couple of letters. Because he was the sweetest guy, and the people, if they saw him, they knew who he was. They'd know. Uh, the name may not be that familiar, but he was in West Side Story. He played the police, and he was also in um, Psycho. He played a detective and many, many, many other things, and I thought he was wonderful. I thought, well, everybody was wonderful. Tommy Sands was nice. I didn't really work with George Steagle too much. I mean, I i worked, it, we played it in the office. Uh, with a story about Tommy that would stutter, and people made fun of him. and, and uh, in the office, he got a job in a I don't know printing office or whatever. And uh, I befriended him, and then I became his girlfriend, and, and, and yeah, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, Simon Oakland is one of my my favorite people. I mean, he's no longer with us now. Steve.
0: Oh, I know, and that's why. Oh, I love. He, he was such a great character actor. I mean, you could yeah. go in. And you knew his professionalism was going to be there every time he was going to bring that role. And and, and that one season, in night chalk, uh, Colcheck, the night stalker. Uh, uh-huh. I just love it. He's the publisher, you know. And, and, and um, then, Darren McGavin is Colcheck, oh, yeah. you know, and the two of them have such great chemistry all the way through that whole season. Uh-huh. You just, you just, and you just know it. it's two good actors really do enjoying their roles and and everything Simon Oakland has ever, I've ever seen him in as you mentioned some of his other role work he's always good
1: and he's he always played the gruff guy you know the gruff but he was the sweetest kindest I mean I got to know him up to three four weeks maybe you know just <clears throat> and like I said we all went out to dinners and lunches and stuff and he was just one of my favorite per, you know people that I've ever worked with actually so I'm glad to hear that you liked him too and I know people they may not know the name but they saw his face they said, oh that's him you know he's wonderful
0: oh he is he is and um I, I mean i can't what can you say it's just i'm just happy to hear such good things about him because you always yeah. you always worry you know it's like uh, and i, I, I know
1: <laughs> they say sometimes you don't want to meet your idols because you're disappointed if you have idols you know yep. that you look up to and they say sometimes it's not good but uh I had never met him before, you know, and I I didn't know him that well. Obviously, we was that much, but of course later on. And uh, another person I worked with very briefly on um, the Jimmy Stewart show was Vincent Price. Vincent Price was one of the sweetest man men I've ever met, and kind, you know. Uh, and here he plays these horrible, you know, scary stuff. Mm-hmm. But he, that uh, yeah, just a few. I mean, I can't say anyone I really, really. I get along with, I think it's pretty most everybody, but that, that some people are reserved, you yeah. know, yeah. and and quiet, and that's fine. But uh, Sally Field was quiet, reserved, but she was sweet. I mean, she was nice. And when I worked on Flying Nun, I mean, I didn't get to know her. And uh, usually, when I work, gosh, I'm at the I I watch everyone else shoot, and I'm with the crew, and I'm hang out. I guess I don't know if I want don't want to miss anything, but I enjoy being around, you know, everybody. But um, even when Margie, I would watch everyone else shoot. I wouldn't just go to my room and read the paper or anything. I'd hang out, especially with the crew. I love the crew, and um, it just I don't know. It's, it's become, then it becomes a family, you know.
0: Exactly, and uh, and you hear that all the time. And uh, some people call it like the um, the gypsy type families where. You're together for a while, then you drift apart, and then another project brings you back together. and And people are always thinking they're right. talking about the other actors or director, but it's also the crew because that's the people you're dealing with. And I think the actors that have longevity in their career are the one that's the ones that treat everyone not oh, professional yeah, but, or nice. You know, if, if some people right, could be reserved, which is fine, but you don't if you're coming off. And everybody has a day, you know, we're all human. and We've all had a day at work where we came in, we're not having a good day. It could be you're going right. through a divorce or something else. I mean, who knows? And people don't know that. And you're saying certain things and people are like, Oh, that person, but they blow it up. They understand. Cause it, it's their working partner, but in show business that the project might only be for a few weeks. And then people sometimes blow it out of proportion because they don't know the context of what's going on.
1: Right. Exactly. And, and, They've got to give people, I think, in any light, two or three, maybe two chances for sure, maybe three, because you don't know what they're feeling, and, oh, you, they ignored me. Well, maybe they didn't see you. Maybe their mind was in someplace else. Uh, I mean, all, that happens to everybody, right, whether you're in show business or not. And I, I was a funny thing, because when I was doing Margie, and here I was Margie, I would get up at 3 or 4. I had to be on the set. I think it was 6 o'clock or 5, but i get up an hour or so early, And do my own hair, you know, roll it up. In those days, you roll it up and put it under this big heavy thing to dry it. And I'd go into 20th Century Fox like that. And finally, the hair hair lady, hairdresser, said to me, Why do you do that? And I said, Well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bother you. And she said, Honey, you're doing our job. We'd be fired if you don't let us do it. You don't have to do it. You're Margie. You're the star of this. I never thought of myself as the star of a a TV show. I really didn't. And, I mean, because I grew up in the business. My mother always, I got a little, when I was four, and I told you I was doing a a play with Julie Harris. I mean, I was, she was her debut, and I was the baby, and there were like five other, seven other children. That was the story of it. Anyway, and I got a little uppity with my mother. My mother didn't, my mother was a very sweet woman, but she didn't take any crud, I'll say it nicely, uh, about being, you know, better than anybody else. So I said to my sister one time, who, like I said, was four and a half years older, she wasn't in the show business, but she did, the. she went to school, Hollywood Professional School in New York. I said to my sister, well, you have to go to school and I get to go to the theater. And my mother uh, took me aside, took me in the bathroom, put me over a knee, gave me a couple of swats with a hairbrush. To the flat side. And they, she said, that was it. And she said, don't you ever, ever think that you're better than anybody else. I mean, there's no reason, you know, to to say that to your sister. But I'm like, oh, wow. And it stuck to me. I Mm -hmm. mean, you could not like someone or, you know, but, and you know, if you're a good person or you're not a good person, but I never, ever thought, well, I'm, what's the word? Uh, uh, Precocious, not precocious, but, um, but they, somebody thinks they're wonderful because they have a Gucci bag or all that stuff, you know?
2: I know I mean. think it's,
1: it's, you know, I want to get an apple pie and stuff it in their face, you know? for Pretentiousness. That's it. Pretentiousness is the word I was looking for. And it stuck with me. And my mother, you know, and I never thought that. So I still don't. Uh, like I talked to, when I talk to people, well, I do like, I say, the Elvis shows or something, and I have my pictures and my books and whatever, and we're talking and, I said, "So, what do you do? For, you know, what do you do for a living?" He said, "Well, I'm, I'm this and that. I'm only this." I said, well, "There's no only in it. You do something that I can't do. You know, maybe you can't do what I did, but you've got to, You know, and that's the truth. Everyone's got a story to tell. Everyone's got mm-hmm. something they can be proud of. And uh, if they work, you know, as long as they do their best and it's an honest work, I never thought because I was in show business that I was any better than anyone else, <clears throat> and it it stuck with me." And uh, my mother wasn't a real hard disciplinarian. My dad was certainly not a disciplinarian. But she would, you know, put us down a peg if we got too uppity. And that was, I never forgot that. I could even picture in my mind where it was, you know. And I was four. So, but some people, you know, think they're hot stuff. And uh, not to, I haven't really run into actors too much like that. Like I said, they could be reserved or quiet and that's fine. You know, I worked with, with Sandra Dee, uh, with Jimmy Stewart and Audrey Meadows and *Taker She's mine. And I played her roommate. Mm-hmm. And she was quiet. She, I remember, I used to think, God, she's so, she's so cute. And she was chain smoking. Uh, well, I smoked at the time, but I didn't smoke on the set. I, I've since quit 20-some years ago. But anyway, and I thought, and, but I, and she was polite, you know, nice. And I thought, something's, you know, going on here. And I think at that time, I know she was married to uh, Bobby Darren, And I think at the time, she uh, maybe was having problems with him. So so I can't say, you know, she was uppity or anything. She wasn't. She was just in, within herself because she's, she's got problems. Who doesn't, you know? you got to give people a chance. And that's the way I look at it, anyway. And I have a- pretty good instinct.
0: And that's the, the way people. I look at it too. It's like if somebody's, you know, if they're having a bad, they could be having a bad day, you know. And it's, it, right. No, but you're right. If it, if they're being consistently that way, then you start to, okay, exactly. Yeah, you're like, eh, you know, it doesn't happen a few times. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, think, it's I, not I,
1: me. It's their problem. It's not me. Yeah, exactly. No, and I always, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, no, you go. No, I mean, you want to talk about Elvis
0: for for a bit. Well, I just, I was want to say, one of the things and take uh-huh. her, she's mine. You worked, uh-huh. you worked again with Bob Denver because he was also in The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis and also Jim Neighbors. Right. Do you have any memories of those two?
1: Bob Denver, no. Not really. Uh, we fought, we shot um, like I said, tw- I was under contract to 20th Century Fox so they had to make me a brunette because Jenny Maxwell who worked in two movies with Elvis I think Blue Hawaii and something else and Sandra of course was blonde. And uh, Bob Denver and we shot it, a lot of it at UCLA because we were supposed to be in college and just polite you know hello how are you and then I saw him a couple of times at a collector's show here and that's when we either gave a hug and how are you doing and all that and uh, no I, I found him you know to be you know very pleasant and funny thing about the, the Gilligan's Island I, we didn't speak about that but because of Bob dendra he of course was in it I tested for that and uh, it was I was told by Steve wait, Schwartz, the uh, producer, that mm-hmm. Sherwood Schwartz, that it was between myself and someone else, and it was happened to be Don Wells to play Marianne, and they decided to go with the brunette because uh, Tina Louise was was kind of blonde, and the and the and the other older lady was blonde, and they wanted to uh, kind of a, a brunette. So I almost could have been on Gilligan's Island. Can you imagine that as Marianne?
0: Well, you had the girl-next-door looks, as we know from Margie. Yeah,
1: same type, you know, same type. But uh, I wouldn't see the whole, I look at this, You do what you're supposed to do, because I wouldn't be talking to you, I wouldn't have met Elvis, I wouldn't have been his friend. There are many things in life, it happens for a reason. And, uh, of course, I went, oh, no, I didn't get Gilligan's Island, you know. And then, you know, I did other things. So, But I don't have any stories, you know. I didn't get to talk to him that much. Bob
0: Denver what about Jim Neighbors
1: I didn't even know he was in it hey, I don't
0: think he was in it he was listed he's listed as being in it so obviously I mean you obviously he didn't have any scenes together
1: oh my god I don't
0: know he probably yeah, had a smaller throw- role because it's probably early in his career and yeah uh, I don't even never heard that
1: before
0: well that weird according to IMDB and we all know well. they're always right and I'm rolling my eyes
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah 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 They've got, it's funny, they've got my worth as $140 million. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and and other people. And I said, are you kidding me? I said, we're not rich. If you don't get big residuals for things that have been out 40, 50 years ago. Not even, not even a midget of that. And it's kind of scary because, you know, I looked, someone told me to look it up. And I went, yeah, yeah, what is, you know. And I went, holy crap. <laughs> 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 I buy. I buy. You know what would I have? I don't know. But I have a car that's almost thirty years old, so that could tell you something. Anyway, point is, we're you know we're fine. But anyway, the, the image they have of that. But um, I don't know where I got into that, but it was just. Oh, James Brolin was in my Margie too. James Brolin was under contract to 20th Century Fox, and he played a part that he was running for class president, and so was Margie. And um, uh, he had done a couple, like, extra stuff on the show. And then at the end, I had a big crush on him, and I got to ride on the handlebars with James Brolin riding the bike. And I'm thinking, what if I got in touch with him? I haven't seen him since. Mm -hmm. And say, so how's Barbara doing, and can I come over for this (laughs) half-dinner sometime? (laughs) If I would say, who is this? So, yeah, and same with Bo Bridges was in – uh, the one of the episodes that I have of my three sons. It was his first time, almost acting. It, it, it's fun to watch those old shows too, because you see people that, unfortunately, aren't here all that are still with us, but were starting out and how they were and everything. And there was Bo Bridges. We had a. It was it was strange, but um, that's why I wrote the book because there's a lot of tidbits like that, a lot of stuff like that, and, and my family also.
0: Amazing, and now. I know everybody's been dying for us to talk about it. It's like kissing cousins.
1: My Elvis. Oh, yes.
0: Elvis. Everybody knows. Elvis. one of those few people in the world. You can always say just one name and everyone knows Absolute who you're talking Elvis. about.
1: Yes. I saw the movie uh, a week ago and thought it was terrific. The Elvis movie. So I'm glad they did it because, um, it brings him up, you know, some people that are young and don't know about him and so forth. Of course, they took poetic license with some things, but it was seemed to be pretty true. Everything, I was a big fan in the 50s. The first song I heard was Heartbreak Hotel." Tell. Oh, who is this guy, you know, Heartbreak? Elvis Presley, what a name, you know, crazy name. <clears throat> and then uh, when I got the part, which was the same thing with, uh, like I did My Three Sons, uh, I got a phone call on a Friday and my agent said, Cynthia, are you sitting down? And I said, well, I will. He said, well, um, Elvis Presley and his people saw you on something on television because, you know, you watched a lot of TV and thought that you might be right for this part. They're starting a movie. And I went, oh, my God. And he said, yes. So all you have to do is go down to MGM Studios. <clears throat> we lived in West Hollywood at the time. And um, go to wardrobe. And if you, you, you know, fit into the uniform and everything, you've got the part, and you start Monday, you're co-starting with him. And I that's, i flew to, to uh, uh, Culver City, I mean, yeah, MGM, and um, the rest is history. I, we started Monday, and I met him Monday, and I thought it was going to be a nervous wreck, but he was so, so down to earth, and so, always oh, beautiful to look at, and um, so sweet and professional, and I have nothing but wonderful things to say about him. And I have stories, you know, on the set and everything. And we became friends afterwards uh, through the phone, you know. We didn't have um, text and all that then. Yeah. Uh, so we kept in touch. And uh, I never did see him in concert because he would say, honey, come on, why don't you come up and see me? Because I lived in L.A. and was working. I was working at the time. And I said, oh, I will, Elvis. I'll sometime, you know. Because I, when I was married with my first husband, we'd go to Vegas and this my dad, my dad played uh, with Phil Harris and everything. And, and so I would go and, you know, I, I felt like it, but I said, I will, Elvis. And then, you know, the next thing I know, he's gone. And I, the, moral, the moral is, don't put off what you can do today because the chance is gone, you know. And I thought, oh, man, I wish I had seen him in concert. But he sang a love song to me in the film. Uh, up close and personal, and uh, we had some good stories, and good fun times, and um, I feel very honored and uh, privileged to have known him. And uh, he, to me, he'll go on and on and on his legacy. Don't you think? Oh,
0: I think See? so. I think so, definitely. And I'm wondering, for you as an actress, how hard was you to stay in character when Elvis is singing to you?
1: Oh, gosh. <laughs> we We filmed it it was a short move. Uh, Sam Katzman was the king of the quickie films, you know, shooting. And we filmed it, I think, in, I don't know, two weeks, two and a half weeks. We went up to Big Bear and shot a week and then one or two weeks in MGM Studios. Anyway, the first, when he was singing a love song to me, he said, now you're going to back up because you don't want to have anything to do with him, really, and look at him crazy and like he's crazy. And I went, oh, okay. So we had a scene where, you know, where he's singing and, we had to stop every now and then because we were outside and they had to stop for a little, we had a little bit of rain or a plane would go over and we'd have to stop shooting. So a number of times he would say to me, Cynthia, I don't, you know, I do you think, you know, the fans will remember me when I'm gone and these personal conversations I had doing the show, the movie. And I said, of course, Elvis, they'll remember you. And, and I, I he said to me, I don't know what I'm doing here. You know, making all these movies, and I said, what do you mean, Elvis? He said, well, I think I should be back home driving a truck. And I thought, wow, you know, what do you say to that? It, it was the country in the boy, you know, that was coming out. And uh, we had some fun, you know, silly stuff going on. And um, uh, so when he was singing to me, and he, I was looking into his, God, his beautiful eyes and his face, and I'm thinking, Elvis Presley is singing to me, and I'm getting paid for it. <laughs> I don't have to pay for it. He's paying. It. They're paying me. And I said, I can't believe, you know. And here he was, you know. Elvis Presley, when you know, in the fifties, I think fifty six, uh, was uh, when I, you know, when I first heard him was Heartbreak Hotel, and, that I heard him. And here I was working with him. It was it was crazy. It was crazy. And uh, worked with a lot of nice people on the set, on the set. A lot of them are gone now. I found out. So, um, And he was so down to earth, very professional. He knew your lines, my lines, and everyone else's. And, you know, I always tell people when when they're doing a camera shot, of, let's say a close-up of someone else, he would always stand by the camera and give you his lines. You know, he wouldn't leave it to someone else to do it so that you could, you know, picture Elvis there, and he was saying his own lines, his lines. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. I feel um, truly honored. I'm part of history. You know, and there's not many of us left, so that's why I tell people you got to get us while you can. Talk to us if you have any questions about him or what you know what we know about him, because you know it's getting sparse.
0: Yeah, that, That's the one thing about time; it keeps moving forward, and um, yes. and, and that's why I, one of the reasons I will do interviews with people like yourself is just to get these things recorded and let people who don't have an opportunity to see you at different shows or other things they can be like. Oh, right. so this is what it was like. But on this movie, you worked with Arthur O'Connell, Glenda um, Farrell, Jack Albertson. I mean, you, you worked yep. with some of the heavyweights of character actors in there. Oh, and wonderful! What, what was it like working with any of those, any of them, any of them?
1: Oh, well, once again, Jack Albertson was a friend of Daddy's, and uh, I told. Mr. Albertson, I said, my daddy. Oh yeah, Dad. How's Dad? And I said, he's doing okay. You know, da da da. But they were all wonderful. Glenda Farrell. I I wish I had mentioned to her that we worked on the same inner panic two years before that, or a year. And I never thought to say, you know, well, we didn't actually work in any scenes together, but she was on the same, you know, show. And I'm thinking, why didn't I say something? I didn't. You know, you lived through the moment, and I. You know, people say, well, what well, did you take many pictures? No, we didn't take pictures a lot in those days. They always had a photographer, professional, on the set. But you know how people take pictures now all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I certainly wish I had, you know, a, a little camera to take pictures and stuff. But, but I was yeah, very fortunate. But I have a quick story to tell you about um, Elvis. And I've told this story many times when I'm in front of people, which, you know, do these festivals and conventions, that um, my um, uh, Elvis... Played a trick on me because he loved to play tricks, practical jokes, and but he didn't like it on him. So, but we were rehearsing that I flip him like a karate flip. Of course, he had to give, you know, give his body so that I would flip him. And we rehearsed it, and rehearsed it. So we were rehearsing one time, kind of away from everybody on the stage and I flipped him, and I, I thought he fell kind of hard on his back and head, and I thought Elvis, Elvis, are you okay? He wouldn't say anything. I thought, oh my god, I've killed Elvis! <laughs> I have to go into witness protection or something. I got to get out of here. And I said, oh my god! And it, but he was he was kidding me. And he, finally, he said, oh, I got you, my little speckled pup. <laughs> I scared you, didn't I? I? Went, oh no! You know, so I'm thinking, how can I get back at him? I didn't know how to get back at him. You know, in a nice way, in a fun way. But when I was 15, uh, my daddy was going over to the movie set, Giant, at Warner's. Mm-hmm. We lived right in Hollywood. And he knew Chill Wills, who's another character actor. Do you know Chill Wills?
0: No, no.
1: Dub Taylor, look him up. Dub okay. Taylor, Buck Taylor's uh, father, who dub Western. Look him up. Chill Wills was had a big part in Giant. He was a famous character actor. He was good. He and Dub were good friends of Daddy. You know, they were all pals, really close pals. Anyway, so he went over to the Giant set to see him, and it was 1955. I was right on my birthday, September 4th. So I get the phone, the phone rings, I pick it up, and I said, hello. He says, hi, honey, this is Daddy. I go, hi, Daddy. You know, he's from Texas, so we call him Daddy, Daddy. And so I said, hi. He said, yeah, I said, someone wants to talk to you. So I said, okay. Uh-huh. I said, hey, stood on, you know, with the phone, and he said, Cynthia, and I said, yes. He said, this is James Dean. He said, uh, your daddy said it was your birthday. I went, uh, yes. He said, how old are you? I said, This is verbatim. I said, 15? He goes, well, I just wanted to wish you happy birthday. I said, thank you. And he said, here's your daddy. you know, brought the phone back, handed the phone, I guess, back to my dad. And then two weeks later, he was gone.
2: Mm.
1: And I'm thinking, oh, my God, that was James Dean. And he was so big then, you know, mysterious. And Elvis Presley always loved James Dean. That was his idol, his acting idol. He wanted to have parts that James Dean had, and he could have done it. He really could have had it in him to do it. But so I said, well, I'm just going to play along with him a little bit. So some down times we had. And I said, you know, I I did something you didn't do. And he goes, well, what? What is that, honey? And I said, well, da, da, da. I told him that story. He goes, you talked to James Dean. He said, I wish I could even meet him. I said, well, I talked to him. I said, it was a very short conversation, but I talked to him. And he goes, well, what did he sound like? He was like a kid, a big fan. What did he sound like? Tell me. <laughs> tell me. What did he say? I said, it was very short, Elvis. Just a few things but but he said well you did get me because I I you know I've done a lot of things in my life but that's one thing I never got to do you know to to um, talk to to James Dean I said well I did so there you go and he goes oh no and that's I kind of got him back with that but it was it's it's amazing you know that some things you never forget some dialogue like with ginger when I talked to her and just Rogers and then James Dean, it's like, Oh my God. I mean, it was all had to do with daddy. <clears throat> Excuse me. It had nothing to do with me. And I thought, well, that was cool. That was really good. Hey. Anyway, I thought I'd put that out. and and uh, Elvis, you know, just loved him. And he, 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 if he had the chance, he could have shown his acting chops. You know what I'm saying? Oh, exactly. His movies were fun and and I'm glad he made them and they're clean. And they, and they're just a wonderful thing for kids to see and for us to relive and but he he really could have done some you know deeper parts. he did a couple of them
0: but, but it's one of those things you're always going to wonder it's 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 kind of like that that what if like you know if a path would have just deviated or changed just a little bit, but then what else would have what what could have been left out that would have happened you know that could that might not have happened because he took that path and so it it's always he, hard to say.
1: That's what I'm saying when I said, you, you do what you do at the moment and you think, or if you what if I had done this, my path, well, you wouldn't be where you are today if you're a happy, you know, fairly happy person. And I wouldn't have met, talked to you. I wouldn't have, you know, met just different things, how it worked out. Exactly. And, it, and I, I truly believe that, that it's out of our hands and uh, we have choices, but, but the choice we make is what we live with. And, uh, we just hope we make the right choice. And sometimes it doesn't seem like it. And sometimes it does. And, um uh, but it's what we're supposed to do. That's just the way I look at things.
0: Now I'd be remiss being a big Batman TV show fan. Yes. If I don't ask you about Yvonne Craig because you worked her for not wow, only Yvonne. in Kissing Cousins but in Three mm-hmm. Coins, Three Coins in the Three Fountain. Coins.
1: She actually did a couple of Margies. She had a couple of lines, but we did, uh, th- um, yeah, um, Kissing Cousins, and um, she's she's terrific, and she was Mother Earth. You know, she was so down to earth. And then we did Three Coins at the Fountain with Joanna Moore, who also was in an Elvis movie. And we were there in Rome for six weeks. It was taken from the movie Three Coins at the Fountain, and uh, we lived there for six weeks. It was wonderful. My son was only two months old. And then after we stopped filming, this we've got. I've got stories, but I won't go into it today because we taking. I'm taking up a lot of your time. But
0: oh, uh, you're fine. I mean, we'll, I'm fine. It's uh, but it's your time. It's more precious oh, than, no, than yours. Well.
1: <laughs> 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 I'll to, you. Tell me what, and no. So uh, after we stopped filming, um, we decided if we would take a week, Yvonne and I take a week and visit uh, England, uh, London, Paris, and Vienna, and and just and and uh, I said Paris, and then come home. So we we talked to the people at Fox, and they said, "Yeah, we can. You can do that. We'll we'll help you. We'll book we'll book it for you." and we were, She had a book called Europe on five dollars a day. Literally had, and we thought in those days, this is nineteen sixty-five. We could almost do that. But we stayed at small places, and we went to to uh, stayed in London for a day, just two days, one or two days here. Paris, they did foot that bill, and we stayed at Saint Georges, which is the top hotel in Paris. And then we went back to our own budget and stayed, We went to Venice, Venice, and we went to Vienna. And on a train, and we had—I have a good, cute little story with in the book about her. But she was wonderful. You know, the guys always gravitated toward Yvonne. She had that sex appeal, and she was such a good friend. And uh, I talked to her about, uh, of course, she did um, Batgirl, and uh, she used to do Bat—Batman conventions a lot, and um, and. She, that was really what she was known for. But she did a couple of Elvis movies. She did, it happened at the World's Fair and Kids and Cousins. And we had more fun. And she wrote a, something in my book. Stanley wrote the foreword to my book, but Yvonne did, and some other Elvis people, and Beverly Wash, my dear friend Beverly Washburn, and uh, you know a couple other people. But Yvonne wrote a little blurb about my book. And she, uh, you know, passed away. I don't know, five years ago, six years ago. And I had talked to her about every three months or so, and when I'd go to L.A., we'd have lunch, and uh, I miss her. There, you know, there are, few, like I said, there are a few people left, and Helm is a good friend of mine, and uh, Marlon Mason's a good friend of mine. I'm talking about the Elvis people mm-hmm. and uh, ladies and uh, a few others, but we're getting up there, you know, so, but Yvonne was, a, I was really upset about her uh, passing. And uh, she was just down to earth and wouldn't take guff from anybody, you know, just had her opinions and she was terrific. And uh, it, was, it was so completely different when we when we, we went to follies Berger or the uh, Vermont where they had the Can-Can, the original Can-Can Paris. And all the, you know, the guys were, you could tell they were f- flirting with her. And of course I was married, but I don't think she was married at the time. But still, you know, and I felt like chopped liver or they're you know little miss nothing and she's there, and the guys are coming over but she had that she had that charisma, Yvonne did, and um, she was wonderful and I miss her I miss her now.
0: She's one of the people I wish I ever I would have got to meet somewhere along the line but it's it's, it's as you said uh, if it if it's meant to be it's meant to be and if it's not meant to be and, and but it was right. one of the things in my mind that got me to start the podcast to record with people. Because, you know, for the same reason because there's i'm sure there's millions of other people that wish they would have got to talk to her or meet her or ask her questions and, mm-hmm. and and sadly it's gone but luckily because of batman and and elvis there's been a lot of mm-hmm. things that were recorded with her and that are out there and that's 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 the one good part about um being in certain things that are really hit the the the, the country's consciousness and you People took advantage you can of it. See and these got their recorded. Yeah,
1: that's one good thing. Yeah, you can see these people. She was a, she studied ballet too. She was in Ballet Russe or one of the ballet companies, so she was a dancer. And and uh, we just hit it off. We we didn't know each other when I did Margie. We didn't you know talk to each other. We didn't know each other. And then kissing cousins, we hardly had any scenes together. But we talk on the set, you know. And then three coins with Joanna Moore, who was at that point married to Ryan O'Neill. And that's another story, <laughs> but, we <had> fun. <laughs> but we had fun and uh, obviously, you know, to see Rome and when would you ever go to Rome and, you know, have a job there. It's, it was fabulous. And we had a good time. Uh, the stories afterwards going, like I said, with ourselves to on a train and, you know, not speaking German, but getting stopped by the German police because show us our passport. It was just strange, but we had a good time. And I was so glad we kept in touch, you know, afterwards through the years.
0: Do you have time for me to ask you about two other TV shows? Yeah. Uh, one yeah. of them is, both of these are my are, are some of my favorites. Like I said, there's so many TV shows that came in the 50s and 60s that I love. But one of them I still watch, I have every episode, Perry Mason. And you, oh, Perry Mason. The case of the drifting dropout in... Right. What was it like working with Raymond Burr? I mean, because well, to, to me, I just actually, love him.
1: Yeah, he was actually, uh, the only time I saw him was on the set in the court. So he was very, very nice uh, to everybody. You know, you always see how they are to everybody, all the extras and stuff and other people. And he was very, very nice. And uh, But I didn't interact with him on my part, didn't have me interacting with him. Uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't get to talk to him hardly at all. Unfortunately, I don't have any stories other than um, everyone seemed to really, really like him, and that's a good thing. The, the star of anything um, sets the tone. I always think of, of film or TV, you know, of the, the tone of how everyone's going to behave and how it's going to come out. And I think you want a happy set. And he seemed to have a very happy set. That's the way I saw it. Anyway. I did the Addams Family.
0: That's the other the one I was going to bring up. You know, you knew oh, where okay. I was going. You can read mine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Adam's Family was fun. Oh my God. See, once again, Carolyn Jones was in Elvis and the guy who played my husband, Peter Brooks, he was in two Elvis movies. So it's just, and it's Don Aston. but anyway, so, so we did, yeah, we did that. It, it we did. It was the first uh, season of, of, uh probably new neighbors, I think, or the neighbors next door. And, uh, we invited to have dinner because we moved in next door. And of course I don't want to go because it's a creepy place. And oh, you've got to go, you know, we got to be good neighbors. So anyway, we go over and we play bridge and we're playing bridge. And, uh, Carolyn Jones was wonderful. It was so sweet. And John Aston was wonderful. I have nothing but nice things, uh, to say. And Lurch was amazing. At the, at the end of the episode, he, we fall into his arms and he catches us each with one arm each. It's amazing. <laughs> And uh, uh, Jackie Cooper, no Jack, Jack oh
0: Cogan,
1: Cogan, oh, Jack, oh, C- Jackie Coogan was another friend of Daddy's. So I said, to, you know, I said, because they're all contemporaries. So I said something to him, and I was supposed to hit him over the head, Uncle Fester, with a frying pan because he comes up from the in my house next door, in our house, uh, and up up through the w- floor, and I see this head coming up, and I take this frying pan. And I hit him over the head. And of course it was a rubber thing. And at first I was afraid to hurt him. And he says, honey, come on. You can do better than that. Hit me. So to make it look real. So of course I did. And then they went, oh my God. <laughs> You've got an arm on you. But we had a, it was, a, it was I think it was shot, uh, I don't know, three days, I think. Three or four days. And we had a lot of fun with that. A lot of fun. And then she couldn't have been nicer. Um. And Peter Brooks was real nice too. We were playing bridge, and and the thing was under the table, and I have a picture of that that I have, and uh, of when he comes and he grabs my card, and he comes out of a like a cigar box under the table and grabs a card because I didn't play the right card, and of course I'm going. I went out of here. This place is <laughs> creepy, you know. Get me out of here. All I did was complain about get me out of here, and uh, it's been on. Uh, you know, one of the older station cable shows uh, a number of times. It was on the first season that one I did and uh, it was, it was, it was terrific. Like I said, I don't have any real, um, you know, sad or bad stories to tell on set too much. I mean, I really don't.
0: One thing I had to ask you did, you did bring up Lurch or Ted Cassidy and, um, and how oh, he yes. caught both in the arms in person. How I mean, you know, because you always wonder. Like, I don't know how tall you are, but what was it like I, when you looked up at him? I mean, because he, he's a giant. Oh my
1: god! <laughs> yeah, I've got a picture of that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm I, I always joke I'm shrinking as I get older. I used to be five <laughs> eleven, but no, six foot. I'm five one. I've always been like five one and a half. So, and I have these little heels. And and Peter Brooks was about five eleven, I guess. And I mean, it was like two of me. Two and a half of me would cover it, you know, it would make him as tall as he was. And he said, when you fall back, because the thing is, the story, we're going to move, we're going to move. And, oh, you can't move. And he said, "He said, and uh, we get another job. My husband said, well, we'll be transferred. And it turned out that John asked that Gomez fixed it so we didn't have to move. And, of course, I wanted to move. And so we go over there, and uh, he answers, you know, Lurch, I think he answers the door, and they said, ah, you can, you know, everything's fine. And we said, oh, good, we're, we're going to move, and he said, no, no, you, you can't, you're not moving now because we, we bought the company or something, I don't remember now, and we faint in his arms, and of course, it's tr- complete trust, right, when you faint backwards, when you fall backwards, and each time, we did it, I don't know how many times, maybe two or three times, he caught us, and it didn't seem to phase him at all, so and I have a picture of that somewhere home and um just a still you know mm-hmm. and it's we're just complete in his arms but in one arm, on one arm each on our you know facing up like fainting it's like I don't believe that but he he passed away because um uh, you know he didn't live that long yeah Ted cassidy
0: and I, I can so. imagine him being it'll be like a parent catching two of his children you know with in comparison yeah. it's just like
1: it was like a it was like a toy like we were toys you know, yep. And it compared to him, but he was a he was a he was a sweet sweetheart, sweetheart too. Um, yeah,
0: and, and then yeah, and that's the thing. It's it's so beautiful when you because I like to hear the behind the scenes type stuff where um, I like with I think the only question I really asked you if there was any detail about anything was one of the Margie episodes. But it's just because I know memories and these things happen it can happen it can happen five years ago or fifty years ago. It's still hard to remember because it's just a normal day of the job for you, right, but it's the interaction with the cast and the crew that most people remember, and just like your work, you remembered the stuff from your coworkers
1: right well i worked with I worked with Penny Parker on margie and she was she played a number of things, and she uh i we didn't know each other, and but she played Danny thomas's daughter at one point he had a couple on make room for daddy mm hmm and um, and uh, she was an old pro with how to hand, handle yourself in a scene. And she had the scarf in her hand all the time, you know, waving a scarf. That was her character. She was more outgoing than Margie, uh, my character. So I remember we walked. We had a scene where we walked in the schoolroom where our lockers are, you know, in the hallway, and the the camera people, the camera photographer, director of photography was a, a sweet, sweet man, and, and um, we all became like family. And he took me aside one time, and he said, you know, when you walk with Penny, he said, you gotta, you got to protect yourself. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, she's flying this black, this scarf in your face. I went, oh, oh, okay. And she said, and also when you walk, it's just a lesson in acting. When you walk, she'll she'll stop about a half a foot behind you so that when you talk, you have to turn your face towards her. I said, "Oh, that's interesting." He said, "So now don't let that happen." He said, "I like Penny." He said, "But don't let that happen." She's smart, and you got to get some smarts. And I went, "Oh, okay." And I had worked a lot, but I had never come across anything like that. So sure enough, you know. So when we did it a couple of times, and when we did it, um, if she put, if she stopped a bit behind, I just kind of put my one foot and marked, put a little back, myself back. He said, you got to watch for yourself. And we became good friends, Penny and I. We became good friends. But the strange thing is I can't find her on IMDb. I can't find her anywhere. Oh. I haven't seen her since. We used to double date when she she was married, I think briefly, and, and I was married. So she, uh, I don't know what happened to her. I can't I can't find her. I know Richard Gearing, who played her boyfriend, died. And Tommy Ivo, you know Tommy Ivo? Yes. Play, he was a he's a championship drag racer. He's one of the champion of all time. And I went to his surprise 80th birthday about three years, three or four years ago. Well, before the pandemic, so four years ago. And um, he was a child actor. And when he did Margie, he played my silly, goofy boyfriend, Haywood Bots. He uh, had to give up his his drag racing to do the to do the. Uh, Margie, because it was too dangerous, they made him in this contract that he couldn't race. He was happy when we got canceled because he could go back to racing. He is, he is one of the top racers of all time, drag racers, and you would never think about it. And he's still alive. He lives, I think, in Burbank, and I've got his phone number, and I need to call him and say hi, because uh, we worked together, like I said, you know, a year, and we became family, you know, like family, And but everyone else that I know is not around. You know the other cast; it's not around, and that's what's sad. But uh, Tommy's still here, so that's good. And He's got a list of, of being a child actor; long list.
0: It is, it's a like I said; it's just it's the these are the things I want to get recorded, and I'm so happy you took the time to talk with me. You know, and well, I appreciate. That. And for listeners, again, we we alluded to it a few a little bit early in the episode, and a couple times during the episode: pigtails, Presley, and Pepper.
1: And pepper, yeah, and they can get it Amazon. And if they happen to see me at one of these shows or something, bring it, and I'll sign it. And uh, I do appreciate. Uh, I think as far as Elvis goes, Elvis has the best fans in the world. And and um, I do appreciate everyone I meet, you know, along the way. And if they've you know seen my work or whatever, and I love to hear their story. And I just appreciate uh, you giving me the time to tell some of my stories. And uh, um, hope to meet you sometime. And, um, I'll be around, I hope for a while, <laughs> for a long time.
0: I hope so too. And, and I do I want to meet it. you and, and uh, cause it, it's one of the things when you interview somebody, you never get to meet them. It's always kind of, um, unique, you know, cause you're talking to somebody, but then when you, after you interview them and you get to meet the person, it's almost like you're meeting an old friend and uh, right, it makes right. it even more fun.
1: Right. Next time I'll interview you, and you can tell me stuff. <laughs> 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 well, we'll try. Anyway, I've i really enjoyed it, Steve. I really you're you did your homework, and you're a good guy, and I and I hope you do well. And uh, thank you for inviting me. I've enjoyed it.
0: Oh, you're welcome, and thank you. Hello, everyone. I want to thank Cynthia Pepper again for letting me interviewing her, and also. I just wanted to say, um, if anybody has any feedback, please leave us an email at diecastmoviepodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave us a comment on our Facebook page. hope everybody enjoyed it. And now we're going to go out with the Kissing Cousins trailer promo. Talk to you later. Bye.
3: face? That's a right good question friend. Josh Morgan, from Hidden Rock, North Carolina.
2: Then you're kinfolk.
3: Practically kissing cousins. Kissing cousins. Kissing's allowed. Cause we're proud to be cousins. It's the merriest mountain feuding you've ever seen. And Elvis takes both sides. Kissing cousins by the dozens. As Josh, the snappy Missile Corps Lieutenant, coming home to the Smokies. And to those kitty hawks, the curviest covey of backwoods babes you've ever seen. Pity a poor soldier boy on a day like this. They're no match for those love-hungry mountain gals. You're gonna let me in, my man, go. Who wants to be liberated, Lieutenant? And this is Jody, a rockin', rollin' hill boy who's wacky over a whack. and this is home sweet home up in the our mountain at supper time you better be quick or go hungry
1: tain't nothing but possum tails owl gizzards and grits with vulture eggs and mashed catfish eyes
3: the catfish eyes brings out the flavor of the possum tails hezekiah guards the still and ma makes the moon shine Pa used to play jug in a hootenanny band, but lately, when the jug's empty, it's empty, doggone it! You've never seen such goings on. They're a feudin' and a fightin', fallin' in love, fallin' in the water, dancin', prancing, and romancin', a swingin' and a singin'. I may be new to you, but ooh, yeah. I'm catching on fast. I wanna yeah. shoes off, and I kick my blues off with a bar foot bow, you just can't go wrong. We'll kiss all night, all night. I'll, squeeze I'll squeeze her, 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 her tight, and we'll, we'll be kissing her cousin, kissin that'll make it all right, all right, all right, all right. We'll be kissing her cousin, that'll make it all right, all right, all right.